Welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Caps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been this past week? Yeah, very good, thank you. I've been enjoying the unseasonal warmth and I think I'm only about one or two degrees away from reaching for that sun cream for my pale ginger skin. But at this point, I am surviving, thank you, Dan. What's your factor? About three or four hundred at the minute. <laughs> Summer's coming, everyone. Beware. But also, last but certainly not least, is Jamie Brown. Jamie, the Spurs roller coaster is now stable, shall we say. Mm. How are you feeling after two important wins in the space of just seven days? Yeah, very good, thank you. And um, obviously, I'm from a Spurs perspective, I'm very excited for kind of the rest of the season. Obviously, at least gives us something to look forward to. Of course, you know, a couple of years ago, Spurs were a side that were maybe you know didn't have something to look forward to in the last couple of uh, you know the last stages of the season. But uh, this season, we definitely do. But I think it's going to be a very exciting end to the season in the Premier League. I think it's for the first time in a long time we've kind of got. Um, permutations at every stage of the league. You know, you've got a title race, you've got a real top four race, and then of course in the battle for survival as well. So uh, yeah, lots to play for in, in the Premier League, and uh, really looking forward to that. Okay, that's all the intros out of the way. So let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips, and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first this week? Let's start with the European playoffs for this year's World Cup. And although Scotland's meeting with Ukraine has been delayed until June, there are home nation interests in the shape of Wales. And James, how do you think their tie with Austria will go? Well, bookies are struggling to split it, actually. Both sides hovering around the 2-1 to one mark, although they actually surprisingly make Austria slight favourites at sort of 7-4, to 15-8 kind of territory. Although... I wouldn't be touching them with a barge pole, personally. Wales, unbeaten in seven. They haven't lost in the last 17, I think it is, last 17 home games. And I think at two to one, they represent really good value. Austria never done a great deal for me. They were bang average at the Euros last summer. And let's face it, that's being pretty kind. And I think with a partisan crowd behind them, I think the Welsh will come out on top here. But in the interest of protecting myself against the draw in 90 minutes, my selection is the Welsh to qualify. It's even money. Like it. So I like it a lot, actually. Jamie, will a lot of that depend on Gareth Bale? He didn't make Real Madrid's drubbing in El Clasico on Sunday, a 4-0 loss for Los Blancos. That's not really his concern because he is kind of Wales first, Madrid's probably third in between that and golf. So he's expected to be ready for the visit of Austria. How integral will he be to Wales' qualification cause? Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's really quite sad to kind of see Gareth Bale's demise, really. I mean, it, it's something that's definitely kind of been coming over the last couple of years with all the injuries that he's had. And then, of course, the situation he's had with the fans at Real Madrid. So um, I think he's just a guy who's kind of fallen out with love with, with club football, really. Um, so I think his full focus is going to be on Wales. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, he, he, featured, he only featured in three of their six World Cup qualifiers. Um, in the games that he did miss, they weren't particularly reliant on him or, or really needed him. They got a two-all draw with Belgium, beat Estonia, and they drew with the Czech Republic as well. So they've shown if they are without him, they, they can still manage. Um, the only issue would be is, is maybe, you know, in a big one-off match like that, they don't really have anyone else who can kind of step up um, in Bale's absence. Um, so that might be one of the concerns. He, he's of course, Bale is there, still their top scorer in qualifying uh, with three goals. But uh, yeah, so I, I think Gareth Bale will be uh, really crucial against Austria if he does feature. Um, but as I said, he you know he's uh, seven to four to score any time, and uh, he's also nine to two for the first goal scorer. Um, so those would be definitely interesting. But uh, as I said, with you know given that he is their leading goal scorer in qualifying, he might be a good bet. Now, arguably, the tie of this European playoff phase is Sweden versus the Czech Republic. Not necessarily because of glamour, but because it looks just so even. Now, the Swedes are priced at 19-20 to 20 to win at home, so just a touch under evens. It may take a brave person to back them in 90 minutes. James, are you that brave? I'm afraid not. I think this ah. one is probably going all the way as well. Both sides very well organised, and neither of them score many goals either. I guess if one had to swing one way or the other, then you'd probably have to go with Sweden. I think they have one or two more match winners in this Czech side. And, of course, got Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's back in the Swedish fold and he could well be the difference maker. But Czech Republic showed in the Euros that they can spring a few surprises. They, of course, beat the Netherlands on the way to the quarters. So, safe to say this isn't a match I'm relishing from a betting perspective. Yeah, as I say, it's going to be a brave person. Risk does always equal reward, but you kind of look at the price and you think, is there enough in that for Sweden to win in 90 minutes? I'm not too sure. But it's going to be interesting from a Polish point of view, Jamie, because Poland have been given a bye to the final of this path, shall we say. Is that going to help them in the sense that they're going to be a bit cold before the actual final takes place? Obviously, Sweden and Czech Republic, they'll have the match to be played. The winner will have that momentum behind them. Is that going to be enough for Poland to then deal with? Or will they be behind the eight ball when it comes to dealing with that winner of that fixture? Yeah, look, I, I kind of fancy either, you know, Sweden or Czech Republic with their sharpness and kind of being in the groove, as you said, to, to I think that that will maybe favour them for sure. Um, for me personally, I actually really do look, like the look of Sweden. I think they had a fairly decent Euro 2020 campaign. Of course, they did top groupie ahead of Spain. So they had a, a promising campaign. Of course, it was ended by Ukraine. Um, which was, yeah, I mean, was obviously disappointing to see. But they're a side that do seem to really be on the up at the moment. Of course, they've got some big young talents coming through Sweden. Alexander Isak, of course, Dejan Kulisevsky at Spurs. And then you've got Anthony Alanga. Um, and then, of course, you've got the experience as well in Emil Forsberg and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So I, I do really fancy Sweden to kind of do well, uh, or, you know, certainly do well in the, in the qualifying stages. And, and uh, I, I really fancy them to make it to the World Cup. I think they've got a really nice young squad, as I said. So... Um, for me, I, I think Sweden will, will do well in against Czech Republic and then uh, potentially against uh, Poland. Well, there's always one big nation or at least one big player which misses out on an international tournament. It might be Robert Lewandowski. It might be Cristiano Ronaldo. Because, James, although Portugal are playing Turkey first, Italy is in the headlights. Let's look at that Portugal-Turkey game to start with. Portugal 2-5 to five to win at home on Thursday. Is that worth putting on any international accumulator over the extended weekend or is that not enough value for you? Well, considering their bottling of that home game against Serbia last time out, I can't say I'm steaming in to have a bet on them at 2-5, to five, but they really should win. Turkey were the on-trend side heading into the Euros last summer, but they were hugely disappointing. And although their away record in qualifying was decent, five wins from six, they did take 
6-1 hammering from what is a pretty average Netherlands side. So just goes to show that when they do face a step up in opposition, they tend to struggle a little bit. And I quite like Portugal minus one here at 11 to 10. We know they've got tons of goals in their side and the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo will be bang up for what is a clutch game. And I think they'll have way too much for this Turkish side on Thursday. And then if you couple that with a Welsh win at 2 to 1, you suddenly have a half-decent double on your hands. Always oh, pick that out of nowhere. But Jamie, out of nowhere, Cristiano Ronaldo usually finds goals. International football is his own playground in recent years and months. He's now the all-time world record goal scorer in terms of international goals. What odds have you got him scoring on Thursday? Yep, so uh, 8-15 to 15 to score any time for Ronaldo and then 2-1 to one if he was to score the first goal as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a good shout. Obviously, he's got six goals during qualifying. I think that makes him the fourth joint fourth highest scorer um, in that. I mean, look, if there's one player that you want to be dragging you to a, you know, a, a finals of a major competition or kind of in a real clutch situation, I think it's Cristiano Ronaldo. So, you know, you saw his last performance. He got that hat-trick against Spurs. So he's a player that is, you know, really starting to find his form again. Um, however, having said that, of course, they are in, they are only managed to make off, they only managed to make the playoff rounds, uh, Portugal. And that was because Ronaldo, he failed to score against both Ireland and Serbia. So, you know, there is potential that he doesn't score um, against Turkey. But uh, yeah, as I said, look, 2-1 to one to score first and uh, 8-15 to, to 15 to score any time for Ronaldo. Well, James, if Ronaldo does score, that should probably mean Portugal advance. And if Italy do their bit, then we're setting up for a mega clash in that final path of their phase. Now, before we look at the potential mega clash, we shouldn't really ignore Italy versus North Macedonia. Now, Italy are 1-6 to six on to win this in 90 minutes. Is that a bit harsh on a side that also qualified for last summer's European Championships? Uh, I don't think so. I think no. one is probably justified. Yeah, sorry, Dan. Italy, despite finding themselves in the playoffs, do have a rather imperious home record. It's just one defeat on Italian soil in the last 38 matches. And they don't tend to mess these matches up all that often. And North Macedonia, yeah, they produced some surprises. They did win at Germany during qualifying, and they also come into this off the back of nine goals in the last two away qualifiers. But this is likely to be a bridge too far for them, and I think Italy half time, full time at eight to eleven makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, James. After that tip, you're no longer welcome in the capital city of Skopje. I've just heard your visa has been expired. But Jamie, in terms of Italy, the cliche is that they're known for defensive football. That may ring true, but could you see goals on Thursday night? What takes your interest in the markets? Yeah, look, I've got quite an interesting one. I've got uh, Gianluca Scamacca uh, to score f- uh, first. That's four to one, or to score any time at eleven to ten. So I- I've kind of seen maybe coming into the team, he's having a really good season in Serie A this year for uh, Swasilo. He's got thirteen goals in total in the league. Um, he's got three in his last three outings. So um, I-, I think that Mancini might look to kind of switch things up a bit. Um, of course, you know Italy. They've struggled in their last couple of matches, so potentially he might be brought in. And as I said, his form, you know, he's in really great form at the moment, so potentially he might get an appearance. Um, I've also got Italy to win 3 0 um, around 5 to 1, which I think is a fairly good shout. I think, uh, as I said, I just think that Italy, especially being in Rome, I think they'll just have a bit too much for North Macedonia. I see a pretty comfortable win for them. Um, they do also have six clean sheets in, in eight of their qualifying matches as well, so. Uh, I think they're a side that, as you said, they're very strong defensively. So uh, those would be my two shouts for Italy's match. Right, OK, very quickly, let's assume Italy and Portugal do advance. Let's assume they do meet. I want an answer from you both, because there's no odds, just the answer. Who wins that clash? James, I'll start with you. I just, in these kind of big games between two very close to match sides, I just have to go with Italy in the end. I just think they always manage to find a way to 
to get a result, even when they play badly. I think when Portugal play badly, they more often than not they lose games. And I think even if Italy do put in a subpar performance, I think they just managed to find a way to get out on top. So I think I'll probably side with the Azuri here. Jamie, have you got anything different? Are you backing Ronaldo and Co? Um, I think I'd go for the same with Italy. I think with Portugal as well, they had some kind of controversial uh, squad selections as well. I think Jao Cancelo was left out, Ruben uh, Diaz was left out, no Renato Sanchez. So um, there's certainly kind of pressure, big pressure on Portugal to get it right. And uh, I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of anger from Portuguese fans around around their squad selection. So uh, I think that that might just favour Italy, in a, in, you know, especially in a big game like this. I think the, the tactical nous of uh, Mancini will probably get it right on the day. And uh, I, so I'd, I'd go for uh, Italy to, to knock out Portugal. There we go then. If those predictions are right, Cristiano Ronaldo... He's staying home, and that would be quite the story before the Qatar World Cup has even kicked off. Right, where are we going to go next? Let's go bet building once again. And this week, we're going to go to Wembley as England play host to Switzerland. So this week, we're going to have the same markets as we had last week. No success, but hopefully success is just around the corner. So James, I'll start with you. And any time goal scorer, please. Yeah, you never quite know what sort of side you're going to get in a friendly, but you'd like to think Harry Kane is almost certain to start. So he's my pick here at Even Money. He's in great form for Spurs. Seven goals in his last eight games. Slight to be on penalty duty as well. So I think even money looks decent value here. OK, and Jamie, can I get the over-under on goals, please? Mm, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a tough match for England, actually. I mean, Switzerland, they're undefeated in their eight World Cup qualifying matches. Um, they conceded just twice as well. So defensively, they're very strong. Um, they did get a draw with uh, Italy and Rome. So uh, for this one, given how strong they are defensively, uh, I'm going for under 2.5 goals. OK, I'm going to go for both teams to score no. So it's probably not going to be a high-scoring affair if we consider Jamie's under three goals as well. But just to recap, we've got Harry Kane to score any time, under three goals, and both teams to score no. So it might just be Harry Kane 1-0, who knows. But if our three legs come good, that's 11-2 to as the winning price. So hopefully that's our first bet builder that gets over the line. But let's focus on the game itself very quickly. James, the March international friendly is usually an opportunity for players to make a late bid to get on that World Cup plane. But I guess with a Winter World Cup, it's not quite the last chance saloon that it usually is. Yeah, there's there's going to be players on the fringe of things looking at this World Cup and thinking, you know, if I have a good 12, 15 games at the start of the new season, then I'm probably putting myself in the mix. Although, that said, I can't see many surprise faces making it on the plane. We know Gareth Southgate does have his favourites. And I was having a look through some of the odds for players to make it to Qatar. And one or two did jump out. I mean, I think Conor Gallagher has a great chance at 7-4. to four. I think a lot of that will depend on where he plays his football next season. But if he's playing regularly again and playing well, that price is almost certain to shorten. And also Tammy Abraham, he's loving life over at Roma, continues scoring goals. And he's better than even money at 11-8. And if he remains on the goal trail, that'll make him an absolute certainty to make it onto the plane. Well, Jamie, talking about the plane, there's two new faces from Crystal Palace that will be hoping to get a seat come the winter. They are Mark Gaye and Tyreek Mitchell. Do you reckon they'll get a look against the Swiss on Saturday? Um, I think it's unlikely that they'll feature against Switzerland. I think that, obviously, as I mentioned, this is going to be a tough game for England. So I think it'll go with the more experienced centre-backs. I think there's potential that Ben White might get a chance against Switzerland. Because he's having a very good season with Arsenal. So potentially he could come in. Um, but obviously, they play Ivory Coast on Tuesday. I think that that'd be the fixture to kind of uh, you know see the likes of Gay and, and Tariq Mitchell in. So I think that that's when they'll get their opportunity. But for me, I mean, one player that I'm, I'm really quite surprised hasn't been included in the squad, of course, 
course, I'm incredibly biased being a Spurs fan. But is Eric Dyer? Of course, you know, he's, again, he's having a good season for Spurs. You know, playing in a back three, potentially what we might see at the World Cup from from England. So I think it's an odd one that Eric Dyer has maybe not been selected. But look, I mean, we've got a very big, you know, as as we keep mentioning, you know, a big running in the Premier League. So maybe a chance for him to really can show what he can do. But I think that that would be a good shout for for a player going to the World Cup in Eric Dyer. Yeah, of course. I mean, if he finishes this season strongly, gets Tottenham into the top four, then you're sort of thinking Champions League football as a better test at the start of next season. Perfect timing to then get into the Winter World Cup squad for England. So you're kind of thinking, as I say, that just because he's not in the squad now, it's not necessarily the end of the road for Dyer. If it was a Summer World Cup, you'd be thinking, well, I can't see the opportunity for him materialising between now and June, but there's still plenty of time for him to wrestle that seat off the likes of Tyrone Mings, Harry Maguire, even if his slumping form continues. You know, it's still up for grabs. Up for grabs, of course, is our long shot Acker. Now, Genoa, I don't know if you are fans of this team, if you are, because great news. They won. They won last week. Only their second win of the season. They're now eight unbeaten. Seven of those previously were draws, but they won against Torino. That brought in one leg of the long shot Acker, but unfortunately, it wasn't all three. Again, it's not just about me, it's about us. So that means we've got to work as a team once more. And James, I'll start with you. What's your long shot pick for this weekend? Yep, I like the look of Sheffield Wednesday this weekend. They're on the cusp of the playoffs in League One. They need a win and they face a mid-table Cheltenham side who are as good as safe from relegation, although they're highly unlikely to make a late dash for the playoffs. And they lost at Plymouth in midweek as well. So I'm going to dip into the handicaps here and go for Wednesday minus 1.5, which you can get at 15 to 8 or 2 to 1 between me and you, Dan. It's a very good bet, actually, because I think Cheltenham are on the beach. I don't know if you can be on the beach in Cheltenham. But as you say, they've got nothing to play for. There was a bit of a, a bit of a relegation concern, shall we say? But they found a little bit of form at just the right time. They're twelfth now. They're fine. They've got fifty points in League One. That's enough. So I think Sheffield Wednesday, especially with their playoff ambitions, they're seventh before the weekend. Sunderland don't play. If they can get at least a point, they're in the top six. But they'll need all three really. And I think this is the perfect place to get them. But Jamie, what have you got for me, my friend? Yep. Um, so I've just gone over the I've just gone over the uh, uh, five to one uh, threshold, but I've gone for Wales to win and both teams to score, of course, against Austria. Um, I think Wales they were really strong in qualifying. Of course, they finished runners up in their group. They got that really good draw in their final match against Belgium. So they come in in pretty good form as well. And as we mentioned, you know, having Gareth Bale, I think that's going to be a, a big boost for them as well. Um, Austria they finished only managed fourth in their qualifying group. Um, they did finish behind the likes of Scotland and Israel. So I think they're a side that have been really underwhelming. Um, so I'm, I'm back in Wales to kind of get the job done and uh, win with both teams to score. That's a good shout. I'm going to pivot back to League One. I'm going to go to Portman Road, Ipswich versus Plymouth. And I reckon it's going to be a draw at 13-5. to My logic is that Ipswich have kept five home clean sheets. Plymouth have won six in a row and kept clean sheets in all of them. Something's got to give. Both teams have got playoff aspirations. Plymouth are in the top six at the moment. They've also got one eye on automatic promotion. If they don't win, I think that's good and done because we're going to have got then three games in hand. However, Ipswich also are on the up and up since Kieran McKenna has come into the job and I just think they might just cancel each other out come Saturday. A point is not the worst result for either, but they both need three. But in terms of the long shot Acker, that's exactly what we want. So I'm going to go for an Ipswich Plymouth draw at 13 to 5. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Sorry, Dan, I, I, I interrupted you. I just wanted to, uh, you mentioned Cheltenham potentially being on the beach, but they are actually right next to the Cotswolds and also not too far away from the Brecon Beacons. So 
they've got plenty of options if they don't decide to go for a, a nice sunny holiday. They've got plenty of country walks, potentially. They have? OK, they're on the beacons. Does that work? I like it. That's the new phrase. That's the new football parlance. Cheltenham are officially on the beacons. Right, they're on the beacons. We're going around the world now because it's a look at a few more World Cup qualifiers. And Africa, the stakes are very high. Two leg playoffs in the next few days. And the biggest of all is Egypt versus Senegal. James, if we look at the first leg, what bets take your fancy here? Um, anything that doesn't include goals. Both sides scored only once in 13 meetings between them. So including, of course, that 0-0 draw in the AFCON final last month. And I can just see it being a really cagey game again. Egypt will perhaps approach this with a bit more attacking impetus than they usually do. Of course, being the home side, needing something to take with them to Senegal. But... The visitors are a tough nut to crack and at risk of giving the game away for our correct score picks a little later, I think this probably has the makings of a pretty drab matchup over the course of two legs. Oh, don't reveal too much just yet. But Jamie, it was obviously Senegal who won that AFCON final. The subplot will easily be Mane versus Salah once again. Do you think Egypt will earn first blood this time around? More importantly, which one of mm. those two will be going to the World Cup in the winter? Well, I mean, as look as we saw in the final, I think this is a very, very tough game to call at the moment. Um, I mean, as well in the betting, it's it's very even as well. You've got Senegal seven to four to win. Uh, you've got Egypt to eight to five to win as well. So, you know, in that department, it's very tight. Um, potentially, if you were to pick a winner, I think you'd maybe just favour uh, Egypt, given it's on home soil. Um, and of course, you know, they ha really have that fire in their bellies, given that they were defeated in the, the final of the AFCON. Um, but ultimately, I think a draw at maybe 19 to 10 is, is quite a strong bet. I think this is going to be a very cagey first-legged affair. So, um, yeah, for me, I think a draw is, is definitely a good shout. But uh, in terms of maybe who I fancy to go through overall, I, I, I'd go for Senegal. Um, of course, they're undefeated in their AFCON campaign. They won five of their six uh, qualifiers in the in World Cup qualifying. Um, and, of course, they've just got so many special players as well. You know, the likes of Sadio Mane, Koulibaly, Edouard Mendy and Ismail Assar. So uh, I think Senegal are definitely the side to kind of look out for. And I think they will um, get the better of Egypt. OK, that ticks off Africa. Let's take a flight to South America now. And a hugely important tie as Uruguay play host to Peru. It's fourth playing host to fifth. The final automatic berth is at stake, although there's still the playoff place up for grabs. Uruguay have the automatic berth at the moment. Peru have that playoff. James, what is the tail of the tape here? I think this is one of those where a draw might well suit both sides a little bit. Assuming Chile will lose in Brazil, Uruguay can almost guarantee a playoff place with a draw here, while a point from Peru would mean they would need just a win against lowly Paraguay to give themselves at least a spot in those intercontinental playoffs themselves. So can't say I'm expecting many goals. Both sides barely average over a goal a game in qualifying and he also drew one all in the reverse fixture over in Lima so I think a stalemate at 13 to 5 is perhaps a smart play here and Jamie Chile was just mentioned let's focus on them now they're currently lying six in this 10 team table the likely target for them is fifth they're not there yet unfortunately they do have to travel to Brazil can you see them getting anything in this upcoming South American clash uh, I, I think it's unlikely. Um, for me, if I was to kind of go for a bet in this one, it would be with uh, Brazil to win and under 2.5 goals at around 9-4. to four. Uh, Brazil, they've been very defen uh, strong defensively um, in qualifying. They've conceded just five times in 15 matches. Uh, they've got four clean sheets in the last six. So, you know, they're really a side that just have been very solid. Um, of course, you know, we've got Gabriel coming into the, being called up as well. Of course, he's a player who's done very well for Arsenal. Um, but they've just come through some tough fixtures as well. Brazil, 
Um, they were undefeated against Argentina, Ecuador, uh, Uruguay and Colombia. So some some very tough matches there. That they've all come through. And Chile, they've lost two of the last three. So they're not a side that are particularly good form. So for me, I think it's it's got to be a Brazil win here. OK, then that's South America ticked off. Let's take a quick trip to Asia now. And James, the big tie here is Australia versus Japan. The hosts must win to have any chance of securing an automatic invite to the World Cup this winter. Can they get the job done down under? Uh, I'm not overly keen on Australia at the minute. Something to do with a five-match series in cricket at the back end of last year, I think. But now when you look through their squad, it's no surprise that they're lagging behind the likes of Saudi Arabia and Japan. The sole Japanese defeat on the road in qualifying was in Saudi Arabia. And they've won eight of the last nine other away games, including a 14-0 win over Mongolia, which, as we all know, is a tricky place to go to. But I think, uh, I think for Australia, it's probably worth noting that they face a potential playoff against either the United Arab Emirates or Lebanon if they fail to beat Japan. So while they'd obviously prefer to qualify automatically, there shouldn't be anything to fear for them too much if they do fall short here. I'm not going to lie, I've had my eye on that group, but I've been plumping for Saudi Arabia only because Herve Renard is the manager. And if you know... Yeah, African football, you'll know that he loves a crisp white shirt at any international tournament. There's no better sight than him on the touchline. So I'm hoping Saudi Arabia qualify for the World Cup and he gets to show off his just fashion skills, really, on the touchline. He looks like one of those guys you, your mum would meet on holiday and never come back home. <laughs> <laughs> on this morning, like, and he's stolen the pension book or something. Yeah, I know where this is going. But, uh, Jamie, let's quickly dial back. Let's finish our World Cup tour and go to CONCACAF because Canada... I've led the standings for quite a while now. Something of a surprise, there's a new generation of Canadian stars emerging. Quite well, it must be considered, when you consider they are inches away from a return to the World Cup. They travel to Costa Rica, a win will do it. Will it be party time for Alfonso Davis and company? Yeah, I think so. As you mentioned, they've been very good in qualifying. They are undefeated. They're, of course, top of the standings at the moment. They've uh, they've won all of the last six matches um, in qualifying, so in fantastic form as well. Uh, they did beat Costa Rica 1-0 back in November as well, so they've obviously you know, got a great, a decent head-to-head record and, of course, that confidence, they've really beaten them. Um, they will be without Alfonso Davis, though. He's a couple of weeks away um, from returning from an injury. Um, however, they have still won their last three matches without him, so they're showing they're not... You know, they're not heavily reliant on him either. So, which is, and then, of course, as you mentioned, again, some really big talents coming through for them. You know, Jonathan David, of course, having a fantastic season at Lille. Of course, a number of big European clubs um, maybe looking for his signature in the summer. Uh, he's got nine goals in qualifying. They've also got Carl Lahren, who's got 12 as well as the leading goal scorer in qualifying. Um, and I, th- I think a win, you know, it, it would just, it really, as you mentioned, it just would get the job done for them. It would keep them four points clear of the USA with two games left. So uh, I, I think for me, I think for me, they'll, they will get the win uh, against Costa Rica. Yeah, it's a great time to be a Canadian soccer fan or football fan, whatever you want to call it, because not only is qualification in touching distance, there's also the small matter of hosting some of the next World Cup. So to harness that generation of talent now could give them a huge launch pad in the global game. But that's enough about Canadian soccer slash football because now we need to move on. And to do that, we need a correct score from both of you. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome spot on. So James, I'll start with you. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm going to go for a nil-nil draw between Egypt and Senegal. Both sides fairly evenly matched. Egypt defensively very strong and same can be said of a very solid Senegal side. So I think we'll have a board draw in that first leg. OK, not the most exciting of picks, but let's hope it's right all the same. And Jamie, what correct score have you got for me this weekend? 
Yep, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I think under 2.5 goals in England versus Switzerland. Um, again, you know, Switzerland, they've been very strong defensively in qualifying. Um, they are a side who, who kind of are in form. Of course, they got that massive win at the Euros against France as well. So um, I think they're going to really uh, give England a good game here at Wembley. I'm going to go for England 1, Switzerland 1 um, at around 6-1. to one. It's a good shout. I think it will be a cagey affair at Wembley. I mean, I know it's an international friendly, and I think if you're going to place any bets... You're probably looking at the first 45 minutes because once the multitude of subs starts happening, unfolding, you're going to see the flow of the game ruined, really, aren't you? It's just the way international friendlies are. So perhaps maybe England winning at half-time might be a decent bet as well to consider. But if you're kind of looking at half-time, full-time, it's always a bit of dodgy territory for any international friendly. But that's just my tip. What do I know? You two are the experts for your correct scores and I hope they both come in across the course of the weekend. And, of course, check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, let's look at some outright markets now. There's still a bit of an opportunity to make some money. I know we're approaching the end of the season, but there's value there. It's there to be sniffed out, and we're going to do exactly that. So, first up, the Premier League outright. James, we spoke about this last week, so let's get an updated lie of the land. Man City are now 4-9 on. If you were to bet on the league winner, is there still too much risk attached to Man City at that price? Or are you thinking, well, do you know what? Let's go for it. Oh, well, I don't really want anything to do with this tile race as far as a better is concerned. Even if City avoid defeat to Liverpool in April, they could well trip up elsewhere. They've got a very tricky April. And that said, Liverpool have got a very tough April themselves. So, yeah, the element of unpredictability is a major turnoff for me in this market. And, Jamie, when you look at Liverpool, the other beast in this title race, they have the momentum. It's not just 10 games unbeaten, it's 10 league wins, which is... Just huge at any point of the campaign, but even more so now, because they're not lying down about a fight. 14 points behind in January, it would have been very easy for them to throw in the towel. But you have to sort of just give them all the praise they deserve for the run they've got. And now they are at odds of 7-4 to four at time of recording. So would you be more inclined to back them right now? Or are you willing to wait until the Etihad super clash is out of the way and then you see the lie of the land there? Yeah, for me right now, I'd probably still favour Man City in, in the race for the title. Of course, you know, both of them still being in FA Cup, both being in Europe as well. I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on both team squads. And ultimately, I think if you were to pick one squad, it would be Man City. I mean, they've just always got that fantastic depth. So I think that that will kind of stand them in really good stead for the rest of the season. Um, they've, of course, got some fairly favourable fixtures still, Manchester City as well. I mean, obviously, Liverpool aside, their last 10 games, the only top, top 10 teams they have to play are West Ham, Wolves and Villa. So um, they've got some fixtures that do really swing in their favour. Um, Liverpool, of course, they do still have to go to the Etihad and that is going to be a massive match. But, I mean, their, their recent record there has been pretty poor um, in the league. They haven't won there since 2015. So um, it's, it's kind of difficult to really see them going there and getting the win, um, given their recent form. And, and for me, they'd have to win that if they stand any chance of winning the title. But um, the only thing that might kind of um, sway in Liverpool's favour, of course, that we did see... Um, you know, Man City, they kind of struggled to, you know, they didn't struggle to get the win against Crystal Palace and they looked really panicky when, when they were put under a lot of pressure. So um, that might be something that could swing in, uh, in Liverpool's favour. But uh, ultimately, I do think Man City's depth will uh, stand them in good stead to win the title. Well, James, I found another interesting potential bet here. Not who's going to win the Premier League because it really is flip of a coin stuff. However, you can get a winning margin, regardless of team, of one to three points at odds of 10 to 11, does that take your fancy at all? 
well, if you look at the amount of points the two teams have accumulated over the last two or three years, I think there's only a single point in it. So with that in mind, I probably have to say, yeah, it probably does take my fancy. Although I think it's going to come down to how well they both manage with their Champions League and FA Cup commitments. Both sides still very much in the mix on both of those fronts. Although injuries, of course, are likely to play some part. Now, if that is the case, you have to give the edge to City who just have that bit more depth. But it's hard to back against Liverpool at the minute. Just nicely settled into that groove and... If anyone can go to City and win, then it's certainly them. Three points there and it's hard to see anyone stopping them this year. Yeah, when you talk about depth, I think Liverpool's depth is kind of overlooked to a certain degree because there has been rotation by Jurgen Klopp this season. And every time you sort of think, oh, this is probably the game they're going to slip up, they keep answering the questions that are asked of them. And you kind of think, maybe because they're not superstars in terms of depth, they're just doing their jobs particularly well. And that's also... Part of the reason why Liverpool have got this massive head of steam behind them. Because City are kind of, they're the interchangeable stars, aren't they? It doesn't really matter who you play, you're going to get ultimately the same kind of outcome. You've got two teams in terms of personnel, you just pick the 11, job done. Whereas Liverpool, there's always a case of, you know, Curtis Jones steps in or Harvey Elliott steps in. You think, well, actually, like, that's a bold move, but it keeps paying off. And because of that, they are where they are. And this is why it's going to make such a fascinating title race. But of course, Jamie, the top four race is also going to be fascinating. Let's have a quick chat about Spurs. 5-2 to to finish in the top four. Now, I know we've been here many times, even in this first nine weeks of the show, but with the win over West Ham now in the books, could that be a watershed moment for this season? Um, I I think it was a very big moment. It did feel, you know, being in the stadium, it did feel like a a very big moment for Spurs. Of course, a big derby win. Um, You know, the atmosphere was really good as well. It's obviously, you know, at times at Spurs, it has been very tricky this year in terms of the atmosphere. It's not been great, but, you know, the players kind of really seemed up for it. Um, Conte was, you know, really responded as well. Um, So, you know, I think there's definitely momentum there for Spurs at the moment. And you look at the two fixture comparisons between Spurs and Arsenal. Spurs have definitely got the more favourable running. And then, of course, I think what will play a big factor in, in the race for the top four will be that Arsenal have to come to Spurs. And I think that that's just going to be such a massive fixture. And I think that the whole, you know, what hot lane will be totally up for that game. So I think that, that will, that's just going to be such a big game. And it looks like the Premier League are kind of really delaying rescheduling that fixture to make it kind of this big showpiece uh, event. And uh, I think if it, it's close going into that final game, I think you'd probably just about edge Spurs, given that the game is going to be at home. Um, Spurs have got a very strong record at home against Arsenal as well recently. So um, it's going to be such a such an interesting race for that top four. But uh, yeah, I think at the moment you'd say Arsenal are in the driving seat. But if it's very, very close coming down to that final fixture against Spurs and Arsenal, um, then, I, then I maybe would look towards Spurs. Yeah, Sky are desperate for this to be an all-or-nothing top four scenario, aren't they? The way they've kind of just been quiet about rescheduling, no dates have been offered, they could have quite easily played it by now, but it's all shaping up for some early May fight for fourth. And it's going to be either you know fascinating or a damp squib, you know what I mean? It's going to go one of two ways, let's hope it goes in Spurs' direction from this point of view anyway. But, of course, James, it wouldn't be this podcast without a mention of Everton, they got a massive win in the Premier League last Thursday, one that we didn't really see coming, but their FA Cup mauling suggests they're not out of the woods just yet. Their odds have lengthened to 9-4 to four now, so it was 2-1 to one last week, a little bit more 9-4. to four. Is that just the right side of value? Well, they're three points clear of the drop with two games in hand on Watford, so they really should be all right, but they have some tough games coming up the next five 
against West Ham, Liverpool, Man United, Leicester, and a huge one against Burnley in the first week of April. Well, it's good news and bad news for Watford. The good news is to face Burnley, Leeds and Brentford at home in April, but they've also got trips to Liverpool and Man City, so a bit of a mixed bag for them, but... If they can get six or more points from those three games at Vicarage Road, then they've got a great chance of pulling Edmonton right back into it. And Jamie, Leeds have moved out to 3-1 to one after back-to-back wins, and you get the feeling that the manner of their win over Wolves last Friday might just be the thing that galvanises these players between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, you saw that at Ellen Road against Norwich as well, when they obviously um, gave away the lead, and then in the very dying uh, stages of that match, they won it. So, And then, of course, you saw what it meant to the Ellen Road crowd. Of course, fantastic scenes there. Um, but that was it was a huge win against Wolves. And obviously, as you said, to come back from 2-0 down was was fantastic result. For me, I kind of do, I really fancy them to stay up now. But I mean, look, it's the Premier League. You, you just never know. Things change all the time. But um, look, they've got some tough fixtures remaining. They've got to play Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. So they are tough games, but they do have that seven point gap now. Um, so I, I think that that really is, you know, given that gap, I think they really should fancy themselves. And then their next two matches... They go to uh, they host the Southampton side who are really struggling for form at the moment, and then they've got Watford. So I think the next two games would be are going to be really decisive in whether they stay up. But uh, right now I do fancy them. Um, you know the nature, especially given the nature of the last two wins. You know, just seems to great togetherness. They all seem to kind of be bowing into what Jesse Marsh is doing now. Um, they're going to have some big players back as well after the international break. Bamford, Phillips, Lorente, Junior Firpo should all be back. So. Yeah, I think it's starting to really look good for Leeds now in, in terms of their battle for survival. And James, we spoke about Crystal Palace being 11-1 to to, to win the FA Cup last week. Now, they've advanced to the semi-finals, but somehow they've moved out to 14-1 to in terms of the odds. Is that simply because of the other three teams that are left in the competition? Yeah, I think so. And it's perhaps something to do as well with Conor Gallagher being out of the semi-final due to that agreement in his low deal from Chelsea so that's a huge hole in the side that Patrick Vieira has to fill but you've got to give them some chance the semi comes just a few days after Chelsea's Champions League quarterfinal second leg at Real Madrid so you never quite know what shape they'll come back in but nevertheless it is a big ask of this Palace side. And Jamie in the same competition Chelsea themselves are 2-1 to one, that being the byproduct of their favourable semi draw do you think Thomas Tuchel could pull this team together and manage a cup win after the upheaval of the last few weeks? Yeah, I, mean, I was speaking to one of my Chelsea friends as well and we were kind of both agreeing that in kind of these moments where everything seems against Chelsea or, you know, especially or any other team really, they do seem to be able to pull together. So that could be something that actually works in their favour. Um, but I think the big thing will be that tactically... Thomas Tuchel, he always seems to get it right in the big moments. We, of course, saw that in the Champions League final uh, against Manchester City. I mean, that should have really, on paper, been a, a very one-sided fixture. But, you know, Chelsea, they, they were, for me, were worthy winners in that game. We, of course, saw in the a League Cup final as well. Um, I mean, given, you know, Chelsea went into that game in, in pretty poor form in the league. But, you know, they quite easily could have come out of that having, you know, won. And of course, it did, It was decided on penalties. So in the big moments, Thomas Tuchel always, mostly seems to get it right. So I think that that will definitely stand them in good stead for this this competition. Um, you know, no Conor Gallagher, as, as James said, it's going to be a big boost for them in, in that semi-final. So I think they should quite comfortably get through that. Um, but I think in a, in a final against Manchester City or Liverpool, two very tough teams, but... As I said, I just think Tuchel, he seems to get it right at those big moments. OK, let's shift to Europe now and the Champions League outrights. You can get Man City at 4-6 to six to reach the final, James. Do you think that's a price worth backing when you consider that they have the easier side of the draw? 
Um, it doesn't scream out to me as a great bet, just because I think Chelsea will get the better of Real Madrid over the two legs. And as Jamie said, I think they'll give City plenty of problems if they do meet. And that said, if, if Real do beat Chelsea, then I'd make City an absolute certainty to get to the final. I think this is the worst Real Madrid side for a few years, despite them sitting top of La Liga. But this is a huge moment in the season for Pep Guardiola. We all know he was brought in to win the Champions League. He's got all the tools and has done since he walked through the Etihad doors. And failed to get to a final here would leave people asking plenty of questions about him, especially if City don't go on to win, at least win the Premier League title as well. Well, Jamie, I guess you could say the same about Liverpool. Or we could go one better. At odds of 2-1 to one to win the competition outright... Could you see a Man City Liverpool final in Paris in May? Yeah, this is that that's definitely my prediction as well. That's that's what I really see. I mean, look, Liverpool, they've of course got Benfica. I mean, that is really the tie that you you know that everyone wanted. I think Benfica they've done very well, of course, to get to this stage. And, you know, they've put in some good performances. Um, they're putting good performances in the league as well. They've been doing very well. But uh, I think ultimately Liverpool will be too good for them. Um, I, I, and I think that Man City as well, you know, given their side of the draw, um, I think they'll fan- really fancy their chances of, of getting through that as well. I think these these are just the two sides that have just been so good in Europe this year. I think I look at the rest of the teams in, in the competition in the Champions League and I just don't think anyone else really stands out other than Man City and Liverpool. So I, I, I really do fancy these two teams making it to the final. And of course, that make it incredibly exciting given they're in the semi-finals, the FA Cup, in the title race. And then a Champions League final would just be very interesting to see what those two teams can do. So I, I really fancy Liverpool-Man City final. Well, you could see that being the playoff for a, a treble, couldn't you? You don't know, do you? It could be one team wins a treble, one team wins one trophy, the other team wins two. The split could be many different conundrums. But it's going to be really interesting to see all these competitions and how they pan out in the next few weeks. Let's go to the Europa League now. James, after beating Sevilla 2-0 after extra time, West Ham have moved to the last eight. They and Rangers are 7-2 to reach the final. Would you be plumping for either of these British outfits to make it all the way to Seville? Uh, I think it's going to be tough for both of them, but I wouldn't be in a huge rush to lay either side. I think West Ham will beat Leon over two legs. Leon are no great shakes these days and aren't pulling up any domestic trees. And I think Rangers will comfortably beat Braga. It's the semi-final to worry about for both of them. West Ham, of course, likely to face Barcelona, while Rangers, I think, would probably be outgunned by one of Leipzig or Atalanta, both of whom are very experienced operators in elite European competition. But but if I was to pick one over the other, I think West Ham can make life very hard for a far-from-vintage Barca side, but I think they could just fall short. And Jamie, let's not leave Leicester out of the Europa Conference League equation. They are 3-1 to one joint favourites with Roma to lift the first ever edition of the competition. Do you think that's a fair price or is that a bit of home overpriced by UK bookmakers? No, I do think that's fair. Um, I look at the rest of the teams in that competition and I still put Leicester as kind of the real threat, the you know the, the strongest team in, left in it. Um, Roma might obviously put up a good fight against them if they are to reach the semi-finals. Um, they're doing pretty well in the league at the moment. They're undefeated in their last five in Serie A. So Roma are a side that are starting to come into a bit of form. But they do have um, Bodo, of course, a side who they did lose uh, 6-0 to um, earlier in the competition. So that's going to be a very interesting kind of rematch between those two teams. But um, I think we'll see a Leicester-Roma semi-final. Um, and I think whoever comes out winner from that one will probably go on to win the competition, given the other side um, of the, the quarterfinals. OK, that's the outrights dealt with for at least a week. Let's do our final bit of business, which is the odds on threefold. We all pick a leg each and combine it into an acca. Try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another combined winner over the line. 
Right, I'm going to start this week. I'm going to go with Belgium to beat the Republic of Ireland at the Aviva Stadium. 8-15 for Roberto Martinez's men to win. It doesn't matter what men he picks. He's got so many riches to choose from in terms of talent that I think even with Ireland's home advantage, they're not really known for this current generation of players. I know Stephen Kenny's been given a new contract. He's trying to, trying to build a new generation, but I just don't think it's going to lay a glove on Belgium at all. So I'm going to plump for Belgium to win that one. James, what have you got for me? I'm going to drop into League 2 for my pick. I quite like the look of Mansfield to beat Oldham Latics. They've lost the last five and won only one of the last nine matches, while the visitors got a handy win at Rochdale in midweek. So I think they're good news that even money to make it back-to-back victories on the road on the way to hopefully securing a League 2 playoff place. And you can get them at even money. And Jamie, what's your pick? Yeah, I, was, I said earlier in the show that I, I do really kind of fancy Sweden to to beat the Czech Republic. Um, they've got a really kind of young generation of talent coming through, really top young generation uh, coming through. So um, I've gone for them, Sweden to qualify at one to two. Fantastic. Let's hope they all get over the line and we're counting our winnings on next week's show. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website first. And now I need to thank my duo of top guests. James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yep, you've timed it to absolute perfection because I can hear the ice cream van outside. So I've got a dash. Uh, thanks, Dan. There we go. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Uh, all good, Dan. Thank you. Cheers, guys. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time... Goodbye.